0: You're listening to Sermon Audio from King's Cross Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. For more information about King's Cross Church, you can visit us online at kingscrossraleigh.com. It comes from Matthew 5, verses 3 to 10. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. This is God's word. All right, good morning. Um, Yeah, so we're... We're gonna bounce around a little bit in the in the scriptures you know it's a it's a new year but old message old uh book that we're reading from um, love for you to, to be able to follow along and um, as as we bounce around so um, if you don't have a Bible, we got some on the resources table back there but if you do, you can turn to matthew five as as Liz just read yeah, I mentioned a minute ago that that uh, we're kicking off this series talking about our, our core values, um, what it means to, to be gospel-centered, and, and how, you know, as a church, we should be focused on the gospel and, and should be supported by prayer as we, as we live out community service and, and multiplication. So I wanted to kick off this, this series just, you know, with a, with a deep dive looking at, at the gospel and how it transforms our life and how it sets the, the foundation for our life and and how it you know it drives us into into prayer, and it affects how we how we view community and service and multiplication it's all it 's all about jesus right it 's not about not about us not about what we do because what we could what we do is can never be good enough for god to to meet god 's standard right but but God is good enough, and jesus came and and he He lived out his life perfectly, right, and he made a way for us to to be into community. He made the way for us to to join together. He served us in, in such an amazing way. You know, he he started a, a kingdom, right, and and that's the the reason that we multiply is because the kingdom is is so much bigger than us. Jesus keeps us united in community. He he's the one we follow as we serve. He's the one that's worthy of worship from the whole world as we read in in Romans 1 just a few minutes ago the gospel is the the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes and it it helps us live out our life right it's the the power that brings us into salvation and it it allows us to to go from there in how we live right the righteous will, will live by faith so that's kind of the direction we're going. We're, we're going to look at how the gospel transforms our life and the Beatitudes and, and how it transforms our prayer. You know, how we, our prayer should be oriented around the gospel. And then we're going to talk about how the gospel drives us as a church. Looking at the, the church in Antioch a little bit there. So we want to understand how the gospel affects how we live our, our day-to-day life and how it affects how we pray and how it affects us as a church let me pray for us and and then we'll we'll get going father God I thank you for your love for us thank you for for who you are and just your your kindness to us your mercy on us thank you for the the kindness and mercy that you sh- you've shown me and allowed me to um to be a pastor of this church and and to uh open your word lord pray that you would open our hearts as we as we read from your word, that you would help us to to see you in it. Pray that you would help help me to be clear and um, and just constantly point to you. It's in Jesus' name. I pray, Amen. So before we we dive into the text, you know we're talking a lot about how the the gospel transforms our life, but it would be sad and um, disappointing if you know if you heard this sermon about how the gospel. Affects your life, and you don't even know what we mean when we say that word. At its, at its core, gospel means good news, right It's the good news of that God has has stepped in and, and met the standard where we fall short. right We, we sin, we turn away from from God, we, we turn to ourselves, we, we, uh, we live our own way, and we can't meet God's standard of, of holiness. Imagine that you're running a a restaurant kitchen and um, you know it's the day of the health inspection health inspector comes and um, and you have this this bucket of mud that you've dumped on your table where you shot vegetables you're looking for earthworms in the same place that that you're trying to make food that's That's kind of the 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 standard that you fall short of compared to god's holiness right You're going to fail that health inspection and you're going to fail the holiness inspection from God. Instead of trying to convince the health inspector, trying to convince God that that his standards are wrong, we have to accept that our way is never going to be good enough. We have to accept God's way. Throughout the Old Testament, we see time and time again of God giving his people a way to follow and they veer off. They fall short. God's people try to be good enough. They, they say that they'll follow the law, that they'll... Um, Follow God and, and they turn to other gods, they turn inward. But they always have hope. One of the the phrases in the Bible that's repeated more and more we see um in Exodus chapter thirty four, verses six and seven says the Lord is compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love and truth, maintaining <clears throat> maintaining faithful love to a thousand generations forgiving iniquity, rebellion, and sin. So God's people continually fall short, but he is a compassionate and gracious God. He forgives iniquity, rebellion, and sin. At Christmas just a few weeks ago, we, we celebrated God coming to earth in Jesus. He came to earth. He left heaven. He came to earth. He suffered. He lived his whole life. He died on the cross, all without sinning, all without falling short, veering off his mission. Not only did he die on the cross, but but he was raised. Raised from death defeating sin and death forever. And he made a way for us to join him. Join him in his kingdom by believing in him and allowing his way to be our way. We turn away from ourselves, we turn to him. So if we believe that that good news, that gospel we orient our life around that and our life is transformed. Our prayers are transformed. Our church is transformed. So let's look at, at these Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5 and, and see what it looks like to have this transformed life. So the Sermon on the Mount here in, in Matthew 5 through 7, it's it's one of the most popular, one of the most studied scriptures in in the Bible and there's tons of, of books and, and commentaries, so we're just barely scratching the surface here um, but a couple quick notes before we dive in there's there's some different ideas and um, opinions about Jesus' goal with this sermon and, and who his audience is you know some some say that um, you know he's talking to, to those outside the kingdom others say that he's talking to those inside the kingdom, his disciples um, some see the, the word blessed here that's that's repeated um at its root it, it kinda means it means happiness, right? Happy are those who are poor in spirit. And so some some people see these these Beatitudes as um kind of the the key to happiness. Right? Eight eight keys to happiness. Be this kind of person and you'll be happy. Um you know others see it as as deeper than that. Not just a, a surface level happiness, not just a key to, to mental health, but but rather um, you know the, the way that we should live to, to be blessed and so you know I, I think that, that Jesus is speaking to his disciples he's not telling them you know this is who you have to be to, to be blessed rather he's telling them this is who you are you know you're one of my disciples this, this is who you are you are poor in spirit you're those who mourn you're those who are humble you hunger and thirst for righteousness So he's speaking to his disciples, he's telling them that they're they are blessed. Another quick note, um, you might think that, that Jesus is talking about multiple groups of people, you know, some some are poor in spirit, some are humble, some are merciful. Rather, he's talking to to one. It's almost like um, you know, the, the fruit of the spirit. It's it's fruit, it's not fruits, right? You don't have some peaceful people, some joyful people, but if you have the spirit, if you're God's disciple, this is who you are. You are poor in spirit. You're those who mourn. You are humble. So we're going to take um, two quick trips through through these verses. First, we're going to look at the the characteristics, and then we're going to look at the at the blessing. All right. So, so first of all, verse three: Blessed are the the poor in spirit. These are the people that that know that they bring nothing to God. They're poor. They have the spiritual poverty of Knowing, knowing that it's not about them, right? They can't, can't ever be good enough. That's us. We, we know that we bring nothing to the table. It's, it's all God's grace that, that we're able to, to be part of the kingdom, right? Second, those who mourn. Just like Matthew is talking about spiritual poverty, poor in spirit, this is, this is kind of a, a spiritual mourning, right? Those that, that mourn over the, the brokenness and, and sin in this world. We're humble, not thinking highly of ourselves. You know, these ideas, they kind of build on each other, right? First, we're we're poor in spirit. We mourn over the brokenness and and sin. We we see that sin in our own hearts, and so it makes us humble. And it makes us hunger and thirst for righteousness. We know that that we fall short because we are not righteous, and so we hunger and thirst for, for righteousness. We're hungry for the solution. We'll the merciful. You know, having a, a proper view of ourselves, knowing how much mercy we need from God, it allows us to be merciful to others. I have to remind myself of this a lot as a, as a parent, right? I get, I get frustrated with, with my kids and um, I just have to remind myself that, that God has shown me so much mercy and, and patience and grace so much more than I ever need to, to show Ruth and Titus. the pure in heart. We've seen the worthlessness of, of anything but coming to God. We're poor in spirit. We, we mourn the brokenness and, and sin and so we know that we have to come to God in purity. If these, these other things are true that we're hungry for righteousness, can, can you imagine coming to God and, and doing it in, in a manipulative way or, or trying to sneak and trying to get his favor? We know that that way is is the wrong way we have to come to him pure in heart. Those are the peacemakers. We know Jesus, the ultimate peacemaker. The only reason that we can be at peace with god is is because of the work of Christ, because of Jesus's work on the cross because we're at peace with god we can we can be a peacemaker. we can have the ministry of reconciliation because we have. Been reconciled to God. And finally, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. If these other things are true, then our lives are going to look different than the world, and so we'll be we'll be persecuted. In our context, usually it's not not much more than maybe some ridicule or, or maybe uh, yeah, just people looking down on you. In some cases, we might lose a job or something, but and in, in many cases, Christians give up their lives to live this way right to to have god's righteousness okay, so those are the the characteristics let's let's go back up to the top and look at the blessings all right so blessed are the the poor in spirit. For the Kingdom of Heaven is theirs. this is the the core. This is the crux right you don 't get the kingdom of heaven by by thinking that it 's up to you, thinking that that you 're rich enough in spirit to to have the kingdom right the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are poor in spirit. Those who mourn will be comforted. you mourn the the brokenness of the world in, in your own sin and, and you know there will be a day when you don't have to mourn that anymore there's a future consummation of the work of, of Christ where there will be no brokenness there will be no sin <clears throat> blessed are the humble for they will inherit the earth the humble lay themselves down <clears throat> and they get so much grace so much of a gift from God Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for wretchedness, for they will be filled. <clears throat> you know, those, um, those gift cards that, that are to multiple restaurants, and you might have Chili's and Outback, or, you know, whichever ones are owned by the same parent company. Um, <clears throat> but you, you have this gift card, and you see, you know, all these different restaurants on it. And you might be looking at it, and you hunger for something specific from something, from somewhere specific, right? I want the baby back ribs from chilies, right? I want sirloin steak from Outback. You hunger for that, and you go and you get it, and you're filled. You have, you have that specific desire that is met. It's kind of the idea that, that I see here that <clears throat> those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. Or we desire a day when we don't have to fight our flesh. We don't have to fight the sin, and, and that day is coming. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. It's kind of this, it's already not yet idea. God has already shown us so much mercy. But we know that there's a day coming where where there will be judgment. God is going to look at us and he's going to show us mercy because of what Jesus did. He's going to see that our sin has been paid for. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. That's that's crazy. That's why that we get to see God. There will be a day when we come to God pure in heart and we get to see him. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. We follow Jesus, the ultimate peacemaker, the only begotten son of God, and we get get to follow him in his mission and we get to take on some of his title. Right? We get to be called sons of God. We get the inheritance of, of the kingdom. Right? And then lastly, we'll say are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. It's the same blessing as the poor the in spirit. The kingdom of heaven is theirs. The kingdom of heaven belongs to, to those who are persecuted. To those who are poor in spirit know that it's not about them know that it's about God. So the gospel transforms our life. It allows us to have these characteristics represent us. It allows us to be poor in spirit, to, to mourn the brokenness of our sin, to be humble, to hunger for righteousness. The same gospel that, that transforms our life allows us to, to properly pray to God, to orient our, the way that we pray. So um, jump down to, to chapter six. If you have a physical Bible, maybe flip the page. Um, so Matthew chapter six, verses five through thirteen, we'll we'll look at um, a gospel-oriented prayer. So before we look at you know, how we should pray in this, I wanted to, to make sure it's clear on why we should pray. This why is is directly tied back to the gospel. If we know that it's it's not about us. It's not about us being good enough. We rely on God for everything. We rely on God for, for salvation. And so we, we need him for everything else. So that's why we should pray, because we need God for, for everything in our lives, not just salvation, right? We need to, to show our dependence on him. So I hope that uh, that connection that why makes sense to you. Now let's look at these um, these verses and see how we should pray. We see in these in verses five through, through eight a couple ways not to pray, right? And then we have an example in the Lord's prayer of of how we should pray. So there's two ways that that we can we can get it twisted. First of all, we can we can get it twisted by thinking that we don't need the gospel. And second. We can think that we don't have the gospel. Alright, so the first way not to pray, don't pray like a hypocrite. Verse five. Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly I tell you, they have their reward. This is this is kind of ridiculous and, and sad to to imagine praying to To the God who created the the universe with his words, the one who who sustains your life, keeps you alive. You pray to him, and you hope that the effect of, of that prayer is that people give you attention, that people think highly of you. Think that you don't need the gospel, you don't need God. That's sad. The second way to pray or not to pray is is like a Gentile. So down in verse, verse 7. When you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them because your Father knows the things you need before you ask Him. So we don't need to, to think that we have to pray in a certain way. We don't have to say the right words. We don't have to say enough words. We don't have to Face a certain direction, or or burn certain incense, or anything. We just come to God. We don't have to earn God's favor in the way that we pray because we can't we can't pray good enough, right? But because of of Jesus' work on the cross, because He made a way for us to to be able to to come to the throne, we don't pray like hypocrites. We know that. It's about God and his glory, and we don't pray like Gentiles because we know that we have the gospel. So down in verse 9, here's how we should pray. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So we pray that, that God's name would be honored. His name would be hallowed, honored as holy. Right, we pray that his kingdom would come. We pray that his will would be done. For us, we pray just that we have enough. Right? Give us our daily bread. Allow us to, to be part of his mission. Have enough to, to be used by him. Right, we want to be forgiven our debts, right? We don't want to be led into temptation so that we can, we don't have to be distracted from our mission, right? We're, we're brought into God's kingdom and, and we have enough to to live out our mission. So when our lives are, are transformed by the gospel, we know that the, the gospel is there. We know that it's all about God. It affects how we pray. it's not about us it's about him so I'm going to talk about um, what it looks like on on a church level right so our lives individually are are transformed our prayers are transformed and our church is transformed so the church first and foremost is a, a group of people united around the gospel so if if those first two sections are, are true for each of us as we come together then that we should be driven by the by the gospel and in community and in service and multiplication. I want to look at the at the church in, in Antioch. We see them as an example of of all three of those. So first an example of, of community. Chap, Acts chapter eleven, verses nineteen through twenty four. I'll read that for us. Now those who had been scattered as a result of the persecution that started because of Stephen made their way as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, speaking the word to no one but Jews. But there were some of them, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks also, proclaiming the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord News about them reached the church in Jerusalem and they sent out Barnabas to travel as far as Antioch. When he arrived and saw the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged all of them to remain true to the Lord with devoted hearts. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And large numbers of people were added to the Lord. So we see in the church in Antioch an example of community. So just a quick recap, we see that that those that, that left Jerusalem because of the persecution, because Stephen was, was martyred, some of them came to Antioch. They were Jews from Jerusalem and so they began speaking and preaching only to the Jews. You see that in verse 19. But some of them, from Cyprus and Cyrene, they, they have this Greek influence, so they began speaking the truth to the Greeks as well. The Lord's hand was with them and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. So we have... Jews and, and Greeks, many believe and they come together. They they come from, from different backgrounds. You know Jews oftentimes would spend their whole lives, you know, thinking that the that the Gentiles are are outside God's favor. Right? And so this new way of, of Jews and Greeks kind of being equal, that's that's a recipe for disaster sometimes. So the church in Jerusalem heard that many people in Antioch were were coming to faith, and so they sent Barnabas. So Barnabas comes and, and he sees the grace of God. Right? He was glad. He encouraged them to, to continue in this. And so they continued and, and large numbers of people were added to the Lord. So we see in Antioch they overcome their differences. Right? They're united in, in community. They're an example for us us to follow, a worthy example of of community. We also see this core value of of service in the church in Antioch. Down in verse 27 of chapter 11, we see, um, In those days some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and predicted by the Spirit that there would be a severe famine throughout the Roman world. This took place during the reign of Claudius. Each of the disciples, according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brothers and sisters who lived in Judea. They did this, sending it to the elders by the means of Barnabas and Saul. So Agabus predicts that that this famine is coming. It says throughout the Roman world, Antioch is part of the Roman world. So this famine is coming to them too. You can imagine that if you hear that, you might hold on to your stuff more tightly right but the disciples in Antioch they they don't do that right each of them determined according to their ability they they determined to send relief to so the brothers and sisters who lived in Judea right they don't they're not holding on to their stuff they're not just thinking about you know all these that have come to faith in Antioch right but they're thinking about the brothers and sisters in, in Judea I'm thinking outside of themselves they're They're serving. So the church in Antioch gives up what it can to serve those in need. They're not self-seeking, but they're willing to suffer for the benefit of others. They're willing to serve. The church in Antioch is also an example for us in in multiplication. So turn to, to Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. Now in the church in Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menean, a close friend of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart from me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after they had fasted, prayed, and laid hands on them, they sent them off. So Barnabas and Saul, they they took the relief to Judea and they they came back. They've been doing good work there. Right, In verse, back in 1126, it, it said that they were there for, for a year teaching in large numbers. So they're, they're well loved in, in Antioch. They're, they're well thought of. They're strong leaders in this church. They're full of the Holy Spirit and, and faith. But the church in Antioch doesn't see them as, as their own, right? They see them as, as the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirits so they fasted they prayed they laid hands on them and they sent them off they know that the the kingdom is is far bigger than Antioch they know that that God's mission is to see people from every tribe tongue and nation come to know him it's not about Antioch it's not about our church it's about God his glory his kingdom We think that Raleigh is a little bit like Antioch. Antioch was, was one of the, the key cities of of Rome, uh, of the Roman world. You know, people from from all different places would come into Antioch. We, we see people from, from all over the world come into to Raleigh, international students. People come into RTP to, to work and um, it's a happening, fast-growing city. And so we might have some opportunities to, to be like the church in Antioch. You know we might have some strong leaders come from outside, like like Barnabas and Saul came came to Antioch. We would love to to have that, that kind of mindset of you know somebody comes in and, and is with us for a while, and we want to send them out, you know with, with the Holy Spirit in, in prayer. We want to follow them in, in community as we have different types of, of people coming together different languages, different socioeconomic statuses, different races, that we would be united around Christ. Know that the the unity that we have in Christ is so much greater than anything that divides us. We want to serve, not thinking that that our time and our resources are are meant for for us, rather. Rather, we want to to lay them down and, and serve others. We want to multiply. We want to be a kingdom people. We want to make disciples and, and send them out. So the gospel transforms our life, transforms how we pray, and it should transform who we are as a church. There's these these epic stories that, that we love you know the Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, Avengers. There are these stories where, where the protagonists, you know, our our main characters, they they're united on a mission that's that's bigger than they are. Right? It's it's more important to defeat Sauron or Voldemort or Thanos than it is, you know, to live their lives. Right? They're they're united around this mission that's that's bigger than than them. It's worthy of sacrifice. We're drawn to those stories because. We're part of one of those stories, right? We're part of a mission that is so much bigger than us. And Lord of the Rings, Legolas and, and Gimli are, are willing to forget the differences between elves and, and dwarves because they're they're united on this big mission. Merry and, and Pippin are willing to to get kidnapped to let Frodo carry the ring to Mordor. Iron Man. Black widow they're willing to, to die to save others we're drawn to to those kind of stories because we're part of one of those we want to have those same kind of things we want to to see the unity that brings us together in Christ as, as so much greater than anything that divides us we want to see the the mission that we're part of to be worthy of of giving up all our our time and our our money it's all for for this it's all for God because God has given us everything and we know it's it's so much bigger than us we need help we need to to bring others along to multiply let's have that mindset let's let's remember the truth of the gospel let's let that be the foundation of who we are as individuals and as a church let's pray Father God, I thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the truth of the gospel that, that we can rest in you, rest in the finished work of Christ. We know that, that our standard, that, that we will never meet your standard. We can never be pure enough. We can never be holy enough. But Jesus was. So you look on us and you see the righteousness of Jesus. I pray that you would you would help our lives to be transformed you would help us to be poor in spirit and and to mourn our sin and to hunger for righteousness and to be merciful to be peacemakers I pray that you would help us to to have our prayer lives oriented around you that our prayers would would be for your kingdom to come and your will would be done we pray that you would help us as a church to, to be united in community, to to serve and to multiply. Thank you so much for, for Jesus, and it's in his name we pray, amen. All right.